Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers. And I'm Megan Francis. And you're listening to a special series from the Mom Hour podcast called Pandemic Perspectives. In this series of episodes, we're talking to parents and people from around the world whose lives are affected by the COVID-19 global pandemic in a way that might not make it into your social media feeds quite as often. You'll hear from families on the front lines experiencing an unprecedented time in a very specific way. And you'll hear what's challenging as well as what's hopeful. We can't wait to share their stories with you. Welcome to Pandemic Perspectives from the Mom Hour. Hey everyone, this is Sarah, and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today I'm talking with Casey, a mom of three from Ohio. Casey, thank you so much for being here. And tell us about your family, including your kids' ages and what you do for a living. Yeah, so I have three boys. Um, I have a five, almost six year old, a three, almost four year old, and a one year old. Oof, so been there. Are, yeah, exhausting and so loud. <laughs> Um, we're actually getting ready to celebrate two quarantine birthdays. Um, Mm. we'll see how those go. They are not excited. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see, but, um, yeah, so I have three boys. Um, and then I actually work for an after school organization called after school all-stars. Um, and we work to serve the most vulnerable populations in our States. And so here in Ohio, we currently serve students in Cleveland, Columbus, and Toledo. Um, and so we work within the public schools so that the kids don't have to travel anywhere and uh-huh. we keep them after school from three to six. Um, and that kind of gives their, you know, parents time to finish work and get home uh, before the kids come home. Um, and we serve them dinner. We do enrichment activities. We do literacy activities um, and health and fitness through a partnership with Ohio State. Um, and so it's a really, really fun activity fun um, time for the kids. We have K through eighth graders. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a wide range. Um, but, you know, we love it. They love it. We have college students who work with them. So they're really building relationships with positive mentors and positive role models, which is super exciting. Um, and yeah, that's so. awesome. Um, and you are a program director. Is that what you said? I am the program director so for the state. Yeah. What does that look like um, pre- quarantine, pre-COVID-19, what did your day-to-day look like? Are you interfacing with school sites or? Yeah. yeah. So the day-to-day for me before the pandemic um, (laughs) included visiting the school sites and essentially holding observations so that I could provide feedback to the um, frontline employees, the teachers and the um, site coordinators or managers of the actual programs And just give them ideas on ways to engage the students better, um, activities that might be more engaging for the students, um, behavior management ideas, and things of that nature. And now there's just none of that. (laughs) Right. Now there are no school sites. We're going to get into that in a minute. Um, I'm just curious, did you come from an education background or nonprofit? Yep. I have my master's in education. Um, I spent four years teaching eighth grade. And so middle school is kind of where my heart lies, which is why I got involved with this organization, um, because the three to six is really the danger hours for Mm -hmm. those middle school students. Um, And so if we can capture them in this after school setting, 
you know, we can help them to stay out of trouble. We can help them to stay safe um, and help them to kind of stay on the right path toward graduation. Well, um, so now things are different because schools are closed. So I was going to ask just what are some of the biggest ways that your work and your life looks different, um, you know, than it did, say, a month ago? Yeah, I mean, everything is so (laughs) different, right? Um, I have a kindergartner and a preschooler who would go to school and I would be left at home working with my one-year-old, which was totally manageable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But working with a five and three-year-old presents a whole new set of challenges. Um, And, you know, I, I studied education for six years and I still don't at all feel prepared to teach my kindergartner <laughs> the most basic skills. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just balancing all of those things. You know, you never get to take off the mom hat or the teacher hat or the program director hat or the wife hat or the homemaker yeah. hat. Yeah. So it's just trying to keep all of those balls up in the air at the same time. And yeah. it's hard. It's overwhelming. It's yeah. exhausting. And on the um, program front, talk a little bit about what changes you have had to make. I mean, I would imagine there's no contingency plan for this. probably. So, so what have you done? Um, and, and, you know, talk as much as you want about your program specifically, or maybe generally the challenges of programs like this and how you've moved online and all that. Yeah. So I think starting generally, I think just something that has been so incredible is kind of seeing the mobilization of school staff and districts as a whole. Um, You know, we've seen teachers getting out there and packing up food because, you know, our students, especially the students that we serve, they get breakfast and lunch at school. They get dinner with us Mm -hmm. and they get a bedtime snack that we send them home with. Wow. Um, And so, you know, we have teachers and our staff out there packing up and passing out meals. We have, you know, in Columbus, they are taking the Chromebook carts from their classrooms and distributing those to students because they don't have the access to technology. We have districts who um, they're doing the Wi-Fi on the buses and driving around and staking out in communities so that families can access Wi-Fi. Yeah. And so it's just like seeing this incredible and immediate response from educators, I think just is so moving and just kind of shows like where their heart is. You know, I think teachers get a lot of backlash on their job being so simple and so easy. And I think, I think we can all agree after homeschooling all of our kids (laughs) that that is just not the case. Yeah. (laughs) It's so challenging. And I mean, it's certainly rewarding and, you know, we get summers off and things like that, but just the willingness that they are, you know, just the things they're willing to do to, engage the students and impact the students and help the students has been incredible. I know specifically with my organization, um, we immediately set to calling all of our families, which is about 50 to 60 per school site and, you know, asking what they needed, connecting them with local resources. We used Amazon prime to ship school supplies to some of their houses because they just didn't have like the basic things like crayons and scissors and pencils and things like that. And so we were able to do that. Um, I spoke out or I put out a message on Facebook and collected uh, books that people didn't need anymore, puzzles, um, games and things like that. And we just met at one of the school sites and families came and just loaded up their cars with supplies to use while yeah. they are away from schools. And I think even more challenging than the schools being out are the public libraries being out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's where my family's get on the internet and that's where they're getting their news and that's where they're getting everything. 
And so for the libraries to be closed as well has really, you know, dramatically affected just their way of interacting with the world. Do you have a sense for some of the childcare challenges in the communities that your program serves? Because um, I know, you know, from my place of extreme privilege, I know people are struggling with childcare with schools and programs being closed. But um, in those communities, I'm curious if you have a sense for what people are doing or what options there are. Um, because you guys, obviously, school and you guys are the built-in childcare. So what are folks doing who, you know, who have essential workers yeah. in their households? It's a lot of kids being left home. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of older siblings, even, you know, not old enough, yeah. older siblings being left responsible for the care of their siblings all day. And also it's a lot of, you know, what we're being told not to do to, you know, drop the kids off with grandma and grandpa. Right. Right. Um, they just, they don't have another option. And so you have to kind of balance out, like, you know, do I go to work so that I can pay my bills or do I stay home with my kids? And I think, you know, that's a decision that no one should have to make. Right. Um, I know just in the three weeks that we have been off, we are already noticing several cell phones being shut off because parents just don't have a way. Like that's one of the first things to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for us then to get in contact with them is so hard and we can't support them because there's just, you know, they don't have internet at home and now their cell phones have been shut off. And so you're kind of left in this weird gray area of how do we engage these families when, you know, we can't go door to door. Right. Um, because we can't be within six feet of people. And so it just, you know, opens up this whole can of worms and just really, really highlighting the discrepancies between, gosh, I live in Perrysburg, which is 10, 20 minutes from Toledo. And Mm -hmm. just the difference in, you know, those 20 minutes is Mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. Um, what feels hardest to you right now as a mom? And that could be something right in your own home or something uh, a bigger, more global hard. You know, I think for me, I mean, I have like the, the daily hards, you know, I've definitely had my share of breaking down on my husband at the end of the day and just like, I can't do all of the things, but I think what feels especially hard is I'll find myself kind of spiraling out and thinking about the long-term ramifications for some of my students. Um, because this isn't just going to affect them this school year. Um, So many of my kids are already two, three grade levels behind. And now we're looking at missing an entire semester of learning. Um, Like this is going to affect them all the way through high school graduation. I mean, dropout rates are going to explode in the next few years because kids just aren't going to be able to keep up once they return. And so I find myself really spiraling. You know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much I can do. There's only so much our organization can do. You know, we're posting videos, we're trying to create a virtual academy, but I mean, education is meant to be a very intimate relationship between a teacher and a student and we've lost that. And so it's just hard to think through what this is going to mean for our kids in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, what feels hopeful to you? You mentioned, I mean, I was getting chills when you talked about the educators stepping up and, um, so I'd love to hear what else, what else have you seen that feels like something like hope? Yeah, I think I just, there's so many helpers, right? Like it's incredible to see the amount of people stepping up to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I can't imagine being in the classroom right now. You know, I'm eight years removed from actually being an educator and I see, you know, my son's kindergarten teacher and my 
middle son's preschool teacher hopping on and doing zoom meetings mm-hmm. with their classes which is like incredibly adorable and also like so much noise from yeah. my brain <laughs> it's like holding up their shoes and like just the most insane things with 23 yes. year olds on a screen um but i just like I, I just feel like if anything is going to come from this, it's like the world feels a lot smaller now somehow. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're all really seeing the discrepancies in school funding and things of that nature. I feel like we're all really understanding the challenges faced by educators right now. I feel like we're all just working so hard to remain together, even though we're alone, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just, you know, my little one's birthday is coming up and the neighbors asked, like, can we decorate the sidewalks in chalk for him for his birthday? Like, just like little tiny things that maybe would not have happened four months ago, but like are happening now because people do care. And like, it's just, you know, I think after, I mean, I hate to say that a global pandemic has like brought things to a better place, but I really do feel like people are just working a lot harder to be kind right now. Mm Mm-hmm and to support each other. And I just think that's incredibly hopeful. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything that you wish moms understood or people understood that maybe you're getting a unique view of uh, because of your job? I think so. The background of my computer says you can do anything well, but you cannot do everything well. Mm. And that's just something that like I have to tell myself every single day because right now it feels like we're at, we're, we're actually being asked to do everything yeah. well, right? Yeah. Like my kid needs his kindergarten sight words. My preschooler needs to know his letters. My students need to know we care, you know, and my husband's working from home in his closet office upstairs. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, we can do so much, you know, we can do the hard things, but we cannot do all of the hard things on our own yeah. well. And I just think that it's so important to remember, you know, even I get caught up in like the daily, like we get a two page lesson plan every day and every day I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) how am I going to accomplish all this? But then I'm like, you know what, you know, we went outside and he found it, my oldest found a bug and we talked about the bug and like, I just, it's so important to focus right now on the whole child Mm -hmm. and, you know, ways that we can teach empathy and compassion and like those other skills are going to come, um, for the majority of our students. And so just remembering that, you know, they're experiencing this too in a very different way. Um, and that might be, you know, you might see more behaviors, you might, you know, see your child withdraw, they might be more tired, but like they are experiencing these huge emotions and they can't understand it. And they don't have like, you know, I'm text complaining my friends at night, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to sell my children. And like, they don't have that outlet yeah. because, you know, we're that outlet. Yeah. And so when they start misbehaving, like that is, that is why. Yeah. And so just, you know, remembering that and trying to have grace and yeah. just, just remembering that. I think that's a hard thing to remember. It is a hundred percent agree though. Um, especially when it comes to what you talked about with just kind of the whole child and right. that academic skills are such a, such a finite, I don't want to say small because they're important, but they're such a, f- a relatively finite piece of the whole puzzle. Um, and especially those of us with resources like internet and books right. and education, you know, in our families um, are, we have the a privilege, I believe, of thinking about that whole child and maybe even right. easing up the pedal on some of the academic skills while we care for them 
in this time. And not, not all families are in that position. And as you said, some kids are going to fall further behind because of this. Um, but I just, I appreciate you shedding the light on all of that. So Casey, thank you so much for everything you shared today. And we're just sending good thoughts to you and your family and your program and all the kids that you serve. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was an absolute pleasure. Sarah, the stories we've been hearing and sharing as part of this special pandemic perspective series are so important. And they've really got me thinking about ways to help and make an impact. I know that right now our listeners are also eager to make a difference. So we're excited to share a great opportunity from our friends at Crisis Text Line. Yes. So Crisis Text Line offers 24-7 support from trained crisis counselors, all delivered via text to people in crisis. As you can imagine, our current national situation with people stuck at home and sometimes in unsafe or unhealthy situations, it's really created a huge demand for extra mental health support. Crisis Text Line is responding to that need by building up its base of volunteer crisis counselors. And this could be a perfect opportunity for you. You don't have to have any particular education or work background to apply, just a desire to help out and empathy, which we know our listeners have so much of. Oh, yeah. And you'll also need a strong Wi-Fi signal. You can do this important work during nap time, after the kids are in bed or before they get up in the morning. You can do it in your pajamas, on the sofa, wherever you are, and whatever your home life situation, Crisis Text Line can accommodate you as a volunteer. Crisis Text Line provides all the training you'll need to turn your desire to help into the skills and knowledge you need to make a difference. It's actually 30 hours of training, so it's a big commitment, but you can be confident that you'll have the tools and information you need to do the work. This is such a great way to make a difference right now when we know so many of you are feeling helpless because you're stuck at home. Just go to themomhour.com slash CTL. Even if you can't get started right now, it's a good idea to go through the application and training process because we know the mental health impact of COVID-19 is going to last for some time. Applying to become a crisis counselor is a great way to start the ball rolling on a volunteer opportunity that could be really rewarding and impactful now and in the future. And if you're having a hard time right now and you need some help, you can also get support right now. Text GO to 741-741 and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It usually takes less than five minutes to connect with someone who can provide a listening ear. You don't have to be in a dire situation to reach out. Crisis Text Line really is for any situation where you need some extra help and support. Again, if you're interested in applying to become a crisis counselor, go to themomhour.com slash CTL to get started. Or if you could use some support yourself, text GO to 741-741 and you'll be matched with a counselor of your own. Again, that's themomhour.com slash CTL to apply to become a volunteer crisis counselor or you can text GO to 741-741 to be connected with a crisis counselor. Hey everyone, this is Megan and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on The Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Megan, a mom of three from Montana. Megan, tell us about you and your family, including your kids' ages and what you do for a living. Okay, I was born and raised in rural Montana. Uh, We have pigs, cows, a horse, and a dog, and a little um, area with plenty of room for us to spread out. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah, and I have three little girls, ages eight, seven, and two and a half. Wow, okay. Um, your hands are full at the moment, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So my husband works in agriculture. So um, he is typically all over the place um, with travel and working from home um, just on any given day. So uh, it's really unpredictable. Well, not unpredictable. It's more seasonal for him um, as far as his busy, slow seasons um, with his job. Okay. And for myself, I've 
So I was a public school teacher in Montana schools for eight years. And right now I am a um, online teacher. I teach students in China how to speak English through an online learning platform. Wow. Okay. So I think this is fascinating because you have been in touch with people in China where this was all unfolding much earlier than it was with us. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. What's that been like? Yeah, exactly. So we are, I started seeing um, a huge change starting in January. And I do have a, you know, a very personal connection with my students and their families. Uh, we interact not only face-to-face over the internet, but also through um, the Chinese social media platform called WeChat. Uh, so we've developed a very close relationship over the past few years. And when coronavirus hit um, China in January, things changed, changed dramatically as far as my, my demand as an online teacher. So students were at home just like they are now in the United States. So they all of a sudden could start taking classes during different times of the day and they needed to start or they wanted to start taking more classes. Um, So the demand for my classes increased during that time. And now we're just starting to see a little bit of a shift where they're starting to get back in the schools. They're starting to be able to go outside more um, so that that um, increase is finally going back to more level for what we're typically used to this time of year as online teachers. Wow. Yeah. The families have been able to kind of keep me up to date on the restrictions that their government put into place as far as staying home, quarantining, um, that kind of thing. So I kind of saw where this was headed. Um, You know, I never knew how it was going to impact us, but I knew if it did impact us, kind of what our life could possibly look like um, with school cancellations, staying at home for hours and hours and days and days and now weeks uh, with the kids not being able to go to the playgrounds and the parks and, and things like that. Do you think it's it's paralleling what happened in China, like the timeline and kind of the progression does it feel like you're kind of living uh, through exactly what you saw your students living through several months ago? I think so, because the social media part of it has been really interesting because on the Chinese social media, um, they are po- they were posting things um, that they were trying to come up with fun ways to keep their kids busy. And then now at, we're looking at our social media with Facebook, Instagram, and you're seeing the exact same thing, the videos of people, you know, stacking <laughs> yeah. up toilet paper in their house and thinking that it's a kind of a funny joke, but being serious, like this is how you can keep your kids busy. And uh, there was another um, there a stream of posts where the adults were trying to come up with creative ways to stay fit within their homes. Um, or at least in their neighborhoods. So that, again, Instagram and Facebook are just full of home workouts and Mm. ways to stay active while we're during, you know, during social distancing. So in that regard, I am definitely seeing some parallels. I can imagine. So what are the biggest ways that your life looks really different now than it did, say, a month ago? 
Well, I mean, my kids are home. So um, as far as the workload goes, it's typically when my kids are at school, I am I'm sleeping because my because of the time change, we are like 12 hours different. So I am teaching um, super early morning hours, like 3 a.m. And then by the I get my kids to school, once they're at school, I can I can sleep. Um, And that is how my daily schedule looks like. However, now I can't do that because my own kids are home and I need to, uh, you know, help with the the distant learning thing. And I don't have that time to rest or I don't have that time now to teach because I need to rest. So I have to find that balance. I've been I am an independent contractor, so I have that ability to pull back on my schedule if I need to. But then again, I'm also relying on that income um, for my family. So it's really been a struggle trying to find the balance, having my kids home during the day. I think um, we're all kind of having, seeing the same struggles. I'm seeing a lot of up and downs with all of us and trying to figure out, well, how do I keep the toddler busy while the first and second grader is, are doing their math homework. Mm. And it's just like all of the balls in the air trying to figure out how do I catch them all at the same time? Yeah. And I imagine for you, it would almost be sometimes a little more frustrating because you have this great, sounds like all this wide open space and animals and things like Mm -hmm. it would be nice if the kids could just go run outside and play, but that's not reality of life because they still have schooling to do. Oh, it is. It is really frustrating. It really is. Um, and my husband too is he, like I said, he's in agriculture and right now agriculture is still needed. It's still a very, very essential. And we're going right into spring planting season. So mm. it is a very busy time for him. Um, so we can't, we can't right. just make this an extended vacation. Right. Like, like we would like. It's just like a big tease. Like you feel like it, it feels a little bit like a long summer break, but it, it's not because life goes on and there's there's things to do. So that sounds really hard. What else is, is hard in your life right now? Um, just new routines, new demands. Um, the pressure I've put on myself as an educator is out of this world. Mm. <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure just to be doing this really thorough job of all the educator jargon that's going around in my mind, like making sure their standards are met Mm. and making sure that they are reaching all of their um, proficiency levels. And, um, and, and that's not, that's not fair. And, And this is all put on by myself, but then you also add in Facebook and Instagram and all of the things that we are seeing online that, um, moms just pushing things out there and making painting a picture that looks really nice, but um, that's not reality. It's mm. just a snapshot. It's just a glimpse into. Um, it's a highlight reel, right? I guess, exactly. Um, yeah. For for better better terms, there and trying to live up to that highlight reel. And I've noticed I do better when I turn off the social media and I just focus on what's happening around me. That's good. Um, and I think that's a lesson we've all kind of had to learn. And and mm-hmm. we're just a few weeks in now. So hopefully we're all kind of realizing that that we can only do what we can only do and that it's not mm-hmm. really fair for us to expect um, 
to do suddenly three jobs in the time that you did one <laughs> before exactly. uh, or three at once. So what feels hopeful right now? I'm hopeful because uh, because of my friends in China. Um, I because going back to what we were talking about earlier with the parallels, um, I can now see that they are that life is returning, starting to return back to, um, you know, being able to get outside and going to the parks and getting fresh air um, through my friends in China. When I think of China, I don't see a country. I see my students, Vicky, I see Sky, and I see their their families. And because of that personal connection, they've been able to share with me um, the, you know, things will return back to normal. I don't think they'll ever be the same. I definitely think our world has changed because of this, mm -hmm. but you know, they can pass on helpful advice. They are very encouraging to me. I started out in January. I ended up sending them some of the N45 or N95 masks because of the shortage there. And now it is completely flipped where they are sending me some of these mm. surgical masks and I can distribute that to some of the, um, the healthcare facilities here in Montana um, and, and so I'm just, I'm seeing relationships grow because of it. And I'm seeing that although it doesn't seem like this is ever going to end, it will. Yeah. I love that. What do you wish other moms or just listeners in general knew and understood about, um, how this is impacting you and maybe also your students, um, just something that they could take away from this interview? Well, I think that as moms, we like to be prepared and I am definitely in that group of just, I, I feel like I can prepare for the worst case scenario, but that being said, even though I had the perspective of seeing this all unfold in front of me before it reached the United States through my connections in China, I still have not, could not have prepared myself for our current reality. Um, there is nothing that, no information, no personal connections. There's absolutely no education. I mean, I'm an educator, but I still don't know what I'm doing with my own kids and their homeschooling. You know, there's just absolutely nothing that could have prepared me for this. It's just a daily parents, parenting and schooling struggle. And I think we're all in it and just to give ourselves grace and give each other grace for those struggles. And there is just no preparing us yes. for it, no matter what. No matter how much, uh, how many disinfecting wipes and toilet paper you had, <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> a whole nother level of learning that we're all in and things coming up that we couldn't have ever anticipated. So yeah, those are wise words. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for sharing your perspective and for being on the Mom Hour. We have so enjoyed getting to know so many of you and hearing your stories for this series. It's just really eye-opening to get a sense of how this is all playing out in different families and careers and communities across the United States and beyond. Yes, and if you've been listening along and thinking, oh, I wish they'd done a story that reflects my experience, here's your chance. We're still looking for guests to be interviewed as a part of the series over the next few weeks, and we would love to share your story. In particular, we're still looking for stories of small business owners and employees, retail, restaurant, hospitality, service businesses, 
people whose livelihoods have been interrupted and will continue to be impacted by COVID-19. If that's you, or if you have another story you'd love to share with us, please visit themomhour.com slash perspectives to fill out a short form letting us know more about your story and we'll be in touch. Again, that's themomhour.com slash perspectives to let us know how COVID-19 is impacting you, your family, your business, and your community. We hope to hear from you soon. Hey everyone, this is Sarah and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on The Mom Hour. Today I'm talking with Jamie, a mom from North Carolina who is pregnant with her second baby. So Jamie, thanks for being here and tell us about you and your family, including what you and your wife do for a living. Sure. I live in a suburb just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, My wife, Amanda, and I live here with our newly two-year-old son. He turned two in January. And as Sarah just said, we've got baby number two, a baby girl due early in June. Yeah, so I am a nurse by trade, but I've been a stay-at-home mom since our son was born a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, Amanda is a medical oncologist, so she um, treats primarily breast cancer patients, but sees all the different types of malignancies and then sees hematologic disorders and stuff too. And does that put her in a hospital um, setting most days or some kind of a clinic or a little bit of both? Yeah, good question. So she is in the clinic most of the time. Um, She does hospital rotations throughout the year. Her whole practice sort of rotates through because they have to take care of their patients who get sick enough to be admitted. Mm -hmm. But by and large, the majority of her work is in the clinic. And what kind of nursing were you doing before you transitioned home a couple years ago? Yeah, so I worked on a um, an adult bone marrow transplant and um, hematologic malignancy floor, so all the leukemias, lymphomas, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that is where Amanda and I met. So we met. She was a fellow mm-hmm. in training, and I was a nurse. And it's a good old Grey's Anatomy story. <laughs> I love that. So, I love yeah. that. So I guess I would love to hear you talk a little bit about. Um, both as the partner of a, you know, a healthcare worker and a pregnant expecting mom, a mom of a toddler, all these hats that you're wearing, Mm -hmm. what, how does life feel different today than it did a month ago? I would say in some ways I'm pretty lucky. Um, there are a lot of parts of my life that haven't changed. So I've been a stay at home mom, um, Mm -hmm. and my wife was going to work every day Mm -hmm. and that is all the exact same, Mm -hmm. which is in a lot of ways really nice. Um, My life hasn't been completely uprooted by now having a spouse working at home Mm -hmm. or me having to work at home, et cetera. But it feels so different. I would say probably the biggest thing that has just totally uprooted me and got me a little bit off the hinges is just this fear of sending Amanda to work Mm -hmm. every single day, Mm -hmm. you know, and not something I've ever experienced as a nurse, not something I've ever experienced as a um, wife of sending her off. Usually it's like, okay, hit the road. You know, we're here, we're going to do our thing. So we'll see you tonight. Um, And I find myself here thinking, oh my gosh, if I could just do something to keep her from having to go to Mm -hmm. work, if I could do anything for her to be able to work from home right now. And it's a ridiculous thought because it's not an option, yeah. you know? Um, but 
that's the thing that I think has just totally thrown me for a loop. Yeah. Is Amanda able to kind of share with you what precautions they're taking at work? Are you able, because you obviously have experience being a healthcare worker and you can at least picture what mm-hmm. it's like when she sure. goes. Um, are you somebody that's helped or reassured by that kind of that kind of information? Is she kind of keeping you in the loop? Like, look, honey, here's what, here are the precautions we're taking, or is this happening at such a gut level that, that, that doesn't help? So I would say in every other situation that would probably help. My biggest issue with that right now is, and this is not like aimed at anyone, but no one knows what we're doing. Yeah. So I love science. I love evidence in every other situation. If you handed me a study that said, X, Y, and Z will prevent this. I would say golden, go to work. We'll see you later. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would feel way better, but we just don't know. So here's a prime example. By the end of last week, she was pretty frustrated because she wanted to wear a mask in clinic to protect herself, Mm -hmm. to protect us um, and protect her patients. You know, she comes Mm -hmm. into contact with one patient and then she's seen 12 other people that day um, trying to just protect the people that she's coming into contact with. And um, the system said that she was not allowed to wear a mask and none of the providers, not her specifically, were not allowed to wear masks because they, um, it would cause fear for the patients. Which, of course, I mean, we totally get that that is a reasonable thing and we don't want to incite fear. But at the same time, you know, we we need to protect the people. We need to protect, you know, everyone. Well, this morning, literally, she got an email that said all providers will be wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's. Uh, while this is a really long answer to no, your question, okay. but while I would normally say like, yeah, the evidence, the precautions in every other situation would make me feel better. It's not right yeah. now just because it's ever changing. Yeah. And I get we are trying as hard as we can to figure out what's best in the moment that we're in. Um, but the constant change yeah. is tough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think that's actually a really good example. And even as someone who's not working in healthcare, I can relate because I feel like even as a regular person and a consumer and, and a, just a human, I feel like recommendations about all kinds of things have changed so often um, in the last month. So that can just be really unnerving. Um, anything that feels really different on the pregnancy front, how you're getting, are you third trimester now? So yeah, I'm third trimester. I'm 32 weeks. And um, I would say it's, I think the CDC's latest recommendation, here we go, the latest recommendation. Yeah. And again, and Megan and I keep like needing to say what day this is that we're recording, which we've never <laughs> right. done. But okay. for the record, this is so April 7th. That yeah, we're exactly. So as far as I know, right now at 1.30 Eastern time, <laughs> um, the recommendation is that if a pregnant mom um, was positive with COVID, she would be separated from her baby for two weeks yeah. after delivery. And when I heard that, oh my gosh, I mean, I was like, nope, we need to be doing all of yeah. the precautions. I was just 
sort of beside myself. Anecdotally, my sister um, had an acquaintance that just went through that. Everyone <sighs> is fine, but um, the mom was diagnosed a couple days after um, after birth and spent two weeks away from her first newborn. I just can't even wrap my head around it right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all of that has been stressful for sure. Um, I'm, I'm such a planner, so I, I would love to look ahead and try to be like, this will all be improved, you know, by the time this baby comes. I do have hopefully mm-hmm. eight-ish weeks, um, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah. I've almost had to kind of push the pregnancy fears down mm-hmm. and just kind of say, this will be what it is. Yeah. I cannot look so far into the future. I have to live yep. in the moment we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, <laughs> I don't know if that's effective coping, but that is my current coping it is, strategy. It is coping. And therefore, therefore it is effective right now. <laughs> well, you've touched on a few things, but is there, is there one thing that feels particularly hard right now in this season? I would say... Probably. Uh, just as I said, you know, I'm not worried about the future. Here we go. I'm about to <laughs> go down the path of being worried about the future. Um, Amanda's due to go to the hospital in two weeks. Um, and I think that is sort of wearing on us, mm-hmm. the concern about what that's going to look like. Um, my son, our son is, I'm trying to think of a good word for this, but he is <laughs> too? very... <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, he is too. And he loves his mama. I'm mom. Okay. She's mama. And he loves his mama more than anything yeah. in this world. Yeah. And we have talked about um, potentially quarantining her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents have a trailer. And we thought about, not thought about, we're still discussing the idea of her staying in the trailer while she's on service mm-hmm. for that week. Um and if she does come in contact, potentially extending that longer. And the thought of trying to keep him away from her mm-hmm. is really overwhelming yeah. because, I mean, he likes me enough, <laughs> but like, I'm just generally less fun yeah. than she is. Yeah. And so it, and he knows she's gone now. Yeah. Like he has reached the age where it's not out of sight, out of mind. Right, sure. I mean, he... He knows that mama comes home in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's the thing that I am spending some time feeling concerned about is the fact that potentially due to my wife's yeah. career, she will need to quarantine yeah. away from us. And we haven't made any decisions. I think we are just going to have to see yeah. how it all plays out and what all three of us can handle. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, so. that's that's big. I can see how that would feel hard. Yeah. Um, what feels hopeful, or what um, what is bringing you hope right now? We're asking everybody this question. It can be anything, mm-hmm. anything small or big. But I love to hear what people are finding hope in. Gosh, I can think of a few things. Like I'll give you a couple yeah. here. Um, I've been really moved by the support of healthcare. Mm-hmm. providers as a whole. Um, I think, you know, nurses, so <laughs> every year they do these Gallup polls where nurses are often voted like the most trusted profession. Mm. Um, it's an interesting thing, but if they're not the most trusted, then they're the second or third most trusted profession. And 
I think nurses tend to have a pretty good rap Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, However, I've been just so moved by all of the different people that are sort of being recognized for their efforts in the healthcare world, Um, respiratory therapists, uh, the dietary, housekeeping, Mm -hmm. everyone who kind of makes that ship run, um, I think is sort of in the highlight right now. And I think that's really important. I Hope that's something we kind of carry over. Yeah. Um, I'd say the other thing that really, on a more personal level, I would say that's probably a little bit broad, maybe on a more personal level. I've been really pleased with how simple my life can be mm-hmm. over the last three weeks. Um, and that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. I mean, Amanda and I are goers. <laughs> like, we don't, there's always something to do, something to be done. We, don't slow down. And that is not necessarily a good thing by mm-hmm. any means. Um, and this force, this forced slowing, I think has made both of us feel kind of good. I feel like our relationship's been stronger than before. I feel like our family unit's just been really, really tight mm-hmm. due to all of this. And um, I would love to see that sort of simplicity carry over also. Yeah. I love that. I love both those observations. Um, is there anything you wish that other moms or other humans understood <laughs> or that you, you think maybe isn't seeing the light as, as much that you feel like you'd like to share? My goal in general is to always just try to keep as open of a mind as possible. And I feel like moms, humans in general, um, I think during this time, it can be easy to kind of get sucked into our own situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do wish for both myself and for everyone that we can really try to take a step back and see that everyone is struggling for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's personal stress is absolutely justified, even if we can't understand it Mm -hmm. you know I mean there are people who have lost jobs Mm -hmm. there are people who are like in crisis mode Mm -hmm. over losing their businesses um I mean homeschooling like I think to myself every day thank goodness I don't have to homeschool my child and (laughs) I still have a kid who naps yeah I mean like this is a beautiful thing and there are people battling just so many different things. Yeah. And I, I don't know, that's something that I've just been really focusing on. Yeah. And something I guess I'd urge other people to do. And I know not everyone's looking for the silver lining. Sometimes right. it's okay to just be where you're at and yeah. be frustrated. And Absolutely. It, can, it can change within the day. You can have yes. a day where it, you just need to wallow in your own crappy situation, even as Absolutely. you know that it's it's relatively like from a huge place of privilege, but sometimes mm-hmm. you need a day and then other days you can have that right. zoomed out perspective. I and I think, agree. I think we yeah. have to allow for all, like all, all parts of that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because for it's sure. very hard to get to the altruistic empathetic place. If you don't give yourself the time and space to also be bummed that 
you know, you're missing a girls weekend or whatever. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for um, sharing all this. Thank you so much for having us. I'm eager to hear the outcomes of this. Yes, we've got a lot of great stories to share and give Amanda our best. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening, and that way you'll get notified when our new episodes drop. Both the regular parenting and motherhood topics you're used to hearing from the Mom Hour, as well as this special series. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast episodes during this time, we'd so appreciate your support in the form of a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Ratings and reviews help others find the show, and they help us continue to grow so we can reach more moms. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another all-new episode of The Mom Hour. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.